Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Nourish by MN350. I'm your host, Sarah Riedel, and we are coming at you today with a little mini episode here. We wanted to do a follow-up from an episode we did earlier this year called Changing the Course of a Neighborhood, which covered an organization called the East Phillips Neighborhood Institute and their fight against the city of Minneapolis to build an urban farm and so much more on the site of the former Roof Depot building in South Minneapolis. Welcome to Nourish by MN350, the podcast that features visionary leaders who are creating the regenerative, inclusive, local food economy we need to meet the challenge of climate change. A lot has happened since the episode aired, so we wanted to follow up with our listeners about where things stand with East Phillips and the Indoor Urban Farm Project. This episode very much builds off that episode, so if you haven't heard it yet, I would highly recommend you stop and go back and listen to that episode, which was originally published on February 22nd. With me today is Jeff Diamond, one of the co-hosts from that episode. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for being here today. Yeah, good to be here. Thank you for having me back. So to pick up where we left off, in our episode, Jason Chavez, the council member representing East Phillips, noted that a resolution would soon be brought before the council. What happened to that resolution? Sure. So that resolution was brought to the council on March 10th. It would have rescinded the prior council action to move forward with the city's water yard project and allowed the East Phillips community to present their vision to the council instead. Our listeners might remember that our guests in the prior episode were optimistic that the new city council might be more willing to support the community's plan. The resolution did pass the council on a vote of eight to five. Unfortunately, the very next day, Mayor Fry vetoed that resolution and overriding the veto would have required nine votes Uh, So unfortunately, that resolution is still not in place today. So city council voted to pass the resolution. The mayor came back and vetoed it. Um, Did he say why he was vetoing the resolution? He did. He released a letter with the veto stating that he may be open to a similar action, but he also released this laundry list of information that would need to be provided for him to approve the action, which... I would describe as a mixture of confusing and sometimes ridiculous. So first off, he stated that the prior council action, which approved the city's plan should be, quote, suspended instead of of rescinded, which would mean that the plan to demolish the roof depot would immediately kick back in if the community's plan was not approved by the city council. Second, he required a finance plan for how any proposal would repay the city the $14 million that they've already spent developing this water yard plan against the community's wishes. In addition, he also asked for a business plan to be presented that would include both how the entire project would be designed and how it would be funded. And he even asked for a strategy identifying an alternative site for the city's water yard project, which 
of course, is not the job of EPNI or any other community organization other than the city. You know, most egregiously, in my opinion, the last thing he asked for was a strategy for remediation of the site, which you know, our listeners might remember is contaminated with arsenic, which is what caused this, this site to be a Superfund site in the past. And you know, our listeners might also remember that the city themselves in their plan have not provided a strategy for remediating the site where they plan to destroy the building. And, and they themselves have not specifically said how they plan to remediate the site so that they're not releasing more arsenic into the air. So I don't know how they have the, um, the, the nerve to try and ask that any proposal include a requirement for remediation other than, you know, maybe they're trying to do something like cheating off of someone else's homework or something. You know, maybe if they hear a plan about how to remediate the site, they can, you know, use it for themselves as part of their own plan or something like that. Okay, so um, let me get this straight. The mayor vetoed this resolution and said that the neighborhood has to pay back $14 million that the city has already spent on this site, um, even though they haven't started building or anything like that. It would just be planning at this point. He also said that they have to come up with a plan for remediation when the city themselves do not have a plan for remediating the arsenic in the site. In fact, they want to tear down the building, which we all know. And the more you start destroying things, digging things up, demolishing things, the more it spreads out. It gets in the air, gets in the land. Um, and that's what the city is planning doing, but they expect the neighborhood to do something else. <laughs> exactly. That to me sounded like the best plan for remediation possible. Don't destroy the roof depot building. Like there's your strategy for remediation. Don't do the city's plan. If I'm understanding this correctly, the, uh, the mayor is also saying that the, the neighborhood has to come up with an alternative site for the public works facility. That is what was listed in the veto, that any community project moving forward, part of what would be needed would be strategy for identifying alternative locations for the city if the community is successful in satisfying all of the other metrics. I think that's really interesting because another thing that we know is that there already is an alternative site. Um, this public works facility would be moving um, to East Phillips from where it is currently located. And at one point, there was a plan to just expand the, the public works facility where it was. And that didn't happen. They've decided to move it. Um, but now the mayor is asking that the neighborhood come up with an alternative plan when in fact there actually is an alternative option and the city knows that. Yep, there are multiple alternative options because as part of their environmental assessment worksheet, they were required to, to list an alternative site and because some of the other city council members ultimately were persuaded to vote against the plan because of the alternative site listed there. The site you're referring to is an expansion of the currently existing site in the Marcy Holmes neighborhood. And like you said, it was essentially suppressed by the city. It was drafted, I believe in June of 2021, and it was a plan um, requested by the city. It, it seems to be a plan on the city's letterhead um, created by the same architectural design firm that, that created the plan for the Hiawatha expansion yard. 
and it was a plan to expand the current existing site and meet all of the needs of the water yard on the same site where it currently exists without destroying the roof depot building and without bringing this bring this action into the neighborhood of East Phillips. Um, it would have been cheaper, it would have been less harmful to the environment, and of course it would not have impacted this already um, affected neighborhood in East Phillips, um, but that plan was never discussed and still to this day has never sufficiently been discussed. Okay, so the mayor vetoes the resolution. He comes back with these pretty ridiculous propositions. Uh, where do things stand now on that? Currently, the city and EPNI are in the midst of um, a mediation process. So EPNI has been um, pursuing a legal challenge to um, try and stop the demolition of the roof depot site. And there was some hope that, you know, through mediation, we would have two parties that may have similar interests in mind and might be able to come to some sort of agreement. Um, there has been a little more movement from the, the city side. There's been a couple of options discussed. We're gonna, they refer to them as option A and option B. Uh, what he outlined in his veto letter is essentially now option A. Um, EP&I can develop and propose a plan, but you know, they would have to go through that laundry list of things that, that we just discussed. There's also an option B that's been proposed in which three acres would be offered for the project, um, but only after the demolition of the roof depot building, which of course would raise fears of reducing the arsenic contamination that has plagued the community for so long. And in addition, these three acres that would be provided to the community and ideally EP&I would be allowed to present their plan for, and, and there's you know, the possibility that they might get these these three acres and not have to pay rent on that land. So, you know, that is option B, which is, you know, the not having to pay rent part of it is a little bit of an upgrade from when city council passed their, you know, quote, compromise last year. Um, That said, the city put forth a presentation in February that outlined their plans for this site. And there were a couple concerning Um, elements of what they're proposing. First off, something that jumped out to me, there's a section in their proposal where they say they describe the the plot to be assigned to community later on as the outlot area. Um, And there's a section in their proposal where they say the 2.9 acre outlot area will be utilized as a construction staging zone during the project's construction. Um, Which sounds a lot to me like, like a the community would have to wait until the entire construction of the new facility was done. And B, and this is more of just kind of like a slap in the face, the design has a fueling station right outside of this three acre plot. So say the community decided they just wanted to use the three acres garden space. You know, they would be doing this while staring at a fuel station where, you know, big trucks from the from the city would theoretically be fueling up right outside of the space that the community was operating. So that's option B. So then these two options proposed, neither of them seem real realistic, neither of them seem like good faith alternatives. So just to make sure I have this straight, option A is what the mayor proposed in his veto letter. Option B says you can have some of this space, 
but only after we've contaminated it with arsenic and finished parking all of our vehicles there. Yeah, you know, they always claim that the space will be remediated. All of their documents say that they're going to you know, remediate the site as part of their, their building of this facility. Um, and yet they have still, to my knowledge, yet to say exactly how they plan to do that. And of course, you know, how exactly do you demolish a very large building that has soil underneath that has arsenic in it without kicking up that arsenic and without the arsenic getting into the air? So it seems, um, it seems wrought with, with complications. Yeah, and as, as we've said, the best remediation here would be to leave the building standing and not disturb it. Um, so I'm going to switch gears a little bit, Jeff. Is there anything going on at the state level about this project? Sure. So there is a bill that talks about creating a, um, a funding source for this project. It was originally proposed at $20 million. I think that that proposal has been reduced to about 7.2 million funding for this bill. You know, that $14 million in repayment that we talked about before, the city paid $6.8 million originally to purchase the Roof Depot building. And what they describe as the additional work that, that they've done on the site, they list as being $7.2 million. So I, I'm not sure if if that's just a coincidence or if the state would be saying, you know, look, this is $7.2 million that never should have been spent on a project that never should have happened. And therefore we're going to provide funding for this 7.2 million, or it may just be a coincidence. Um, but that bill is, is pending in the state and it is possible that it could be included in the an omnibus bill um, to be approved by the state. Um, you know, I think some of the challenges that they're running into is to convince legislators to include that in the omnibus bill, because there's no guarantee that the city is actually going to approve the project. So it's, it's really a catch-22. The city won't approve the project unless there's a plan for funding, but the state may not approve funding because there is no approval from the city. Exactly. Um, you know, I, I think to me, I see the opposite argument in there. Perhaps it would be, perhaps it might be easier to convince all parties to include this funding in the omnibus bill because there's no guarantee that, that the money will be spent. Maybe they'd be more willing to have it included since that money could, could just stay with the state if the project doesn't end up coming to pass. But we'll have to see how it plays out if there even is an omnibus bill that gets passed in the state. Okay, so not great, but where do things go from here? Uh, what are some of the next steps and how can our listeners continue to support EPNI? Sure. So um, the mediation that I mentioned earlier is still ongoing. Um, EPNI had some questions for the city and the city is um, you know, taking some time. And one of which was how exactly do you plan to, to do, to complete the remediation of the site? So um, you know, I think there's still hope that a better alternative than some of the options that have been presented thus far might come about. Um, you know, as EPNI and East Phillips are extremely, um, extremely intent on the do no harm part of their, you know, do no harm urban farm policy, meaning 
try to do everything in their power to prevent the destruction of the Roof Depot building. Um, so, you know, hopefully something will come out of mediation that will not lead to the demolition of that building. But if mediation does fail, then they'll go back to, to the ongoing litigation. So East Phillips has a, a GoFundMe site where they're accepting donations. And I would again urge our, our listeners to, um, to support the East Phillips Neighborhood Institute um, you know, especially as the city looks like is going to be kind of dragging on these legal proceedings and and they may be more in need of, of um, funding to continue these ongoing legal battles. There is also a community meeting coming up on May 22nd. Uh, the details of this community meeting are still being discussed uh, though you can certainly follow the East Phillips Neighborhood Institute um, both on their on their website and on their Facebook page, and we will include links to to both of those things in our show notes. Absolutely. So there's there's some hope through ongoing legal matters, um, but the big thing I I think I, I hear you saying is that they are looking for donations. It's it's not free or cheap to carry on these battles. Um, so for all you folks listening out there, you can learn more and find East Phillips Neighborhoods Institute's GoFundMe at eastphillipsneighborhoodinstitute.org. That's their website. Um, and aside from their GoFundMe, there, there um, are current updates and some other actions you can take, um, including contacting the mayor's office and telling them, do not destroy the Roof Depot building. Absolutely. And in, in every phase of legislation um, across the state, really, contacting the mayor's office, contacting your city councilors, as well as your state legislators to try and um, get them to support the inclusion of this bonding bill in, in this year's omnibus bill. So, um, yeah, pick, pick a legislator. Any legislator who represents you um, can be contacted and asked to support EPNI and asked to, to support the East Phillips community. All right. So once again, for people listening, the website is eastphillipsneighborhoodinstitute.org. Um, and you can find everything that just, Jeff just mentioned. Um, there are scripts and directions on how to contact any legislator you can. They all need to hear about this. Um, so please check it out. Donate if you can. And, you know, spread the word. Don't demolish the Roof Depot building. Jeff, thank you so much for coming back and giving us this update. Yeah, thank you. It was, uh, it was good to be here and um, we'll continue tracking this as it continues to develop. All right. That's all we have for today. So once again, eastphillipsneighborhoodinstitute.org. Go check it out and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Nourish by MN350 is a production of MN350's Food Systems Team. This series is made possible by the hard work and passion of a group of dedicated volunteers. This episode was written and produced by Shannon Lipke, Jeff Diamond, and me, Sarah Riedel. Our audio editor is Mary Claire McAleer. Our logo was designed by Fizz Design Collective, and our music is by Ecuador Manta. You can learn more at mn350action.org slash podcasts.